Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Welcome to our special guests, Brad and Laura. My message this morning continues the story of Molly, who faces many obstacles in her role as interim pastor in Doodlebug, Louisiana. Our scripture is from the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 10. Are we not all children of the same mother? Were we not all created by the same God? The Reverend Knowles Pilgrim of the Doodlebug Community Church, who was locally known as Naughty Problem, stood with his arms crossed in what had been his office before he rashly decided to retire. A wave of peevishness washed over his lofty frame and blazed in his sharp blue eyes. That little girl they had hired as interim pastor to hold down the fort until they found someone capable of filling his big shoes was clearly not up to the job. Whereas he had worn out the seat of his majestic chair, Pastor Molly was never to be found behind the desk where she belonged. She was always gadding about, visiting this one and that one, instead of reading the books he had piled up on the desk for her perusal. It did not occur to Rev Naughty that his style of pastoring did not fit little Molly any more than that gigantic chair. He was a person of great sincerity and force of character with a towering head of white hair that any southern preacher might envy. But he had neither a knack for understanding people nor any sense of humor. He was also not given to introspection and had never considered that his nom de guerre, which he took to mean that he was a deep thinker, might actually refer to him. At that very moment, interim Pastor Molly was venturing down a deer path she had discovered in her search for wild scuppering grapes, which she planned to use to make jelly for Mother Nunsuch, who had tried to bust out a Chatterley's rest home the week before. <laughs> Although Molly was not at all sure how to give a sermon, she did know how to make the kind of comfort food that made people feel they were loved. And this she did day in and day out. 
As Molly battled her way through the brambles and the kudzu, carefully watching for snakes, she began to hear the strains of an accordion coming from deep in the woods. Following the music, Molly found an old man sitting on a cane rocker on his front porch, playing a jolly waltz that she immediately recognized as the beloved Cajun standard, Jolie Blanc. The scene was rich in recognition and memory. Beneath the surface of her mind, Molly registered the man's long French face, the odd quiet about the place, the absence of a dog, the smell of red beans and andouille sausage on the stove, the authenticity of his playing, the atmosphere of sorrow and neglect that told her she was looking at a lonely man. But she was unaware of any conscious thought because the souvenir d'enfance, the memories of childhood, stirred by the music, had overwhelmed her. As Molly stepped within sight of the cabin, she set her bucket down and stood at a distance with her arms at her sides and her hands open, hoping that her small stature and submissive posture would signal that she meant no harm. The old man caught her eye as he would a white-tailed deer coming out of the forest, holding her gaze but continuing his song as if she were not there. So they remained until the song was over, and the chirps of the frogs Crickets and katydids took over once again. Then the old man nodded his head in a gesture that said, you may come up on my porch and sit. What brings you here, young lady? He said in a rusty voice. I am picking, said Molly. Please don't stop your playing. Molly looked at his accordion appreciatively. She recognized it as a bon Cajun, a coveted squeeze box made in Iota, not far from her home in Mamou. As Molly settled into the slightly smaller rocker beside him, she suddenly felt the presence of the woman who had spent so many hours sitting there and her eye fell on a blue plastic dog dish full of leaves and spiders. Molly sensed that despite the happy music, she was looking at a man in mourning. She was about to speak when she was suddenly swept into the rousing chords of La Danse de Mardi Gras. This was not a song but a culture, a people, a way of life. Now Molly was a little girl in the midst of Le Courrier de Marie a celebration held in the final days before Lent that had its roots in medieval Europe and lived on in the Cajun communities of South Louisiana. In her mind's eye, Molly saw the masked riders on their horses, 
in their outlandish costumes and tall pointed hats called capuchons, progressing from farm to farm on the fat Tuesday run, the unmasked captain holding out his flag and demanding that each farmer contribute something for the gumbo. Rolling behind them in a wagon, musicians played fiddle, accordion, and triangle, propelling the rowdy procession on with this very song, which the riders sang with gusto, all knowing exactly when to shout their lines. The whole spectacle building towards the moment when the farmer released a chicken and a mad chase ensued. As the song reached its climax, Molly leapt to her feet, raised her arm, and sang, Capitaine, Capitaine, voyage ton flag, allons chez notre voisin, demandez le charité pour le combo ce soir. When the song was over, Molly met the man's gaze and said softly, Je suis comme vous. I am like you. The conversation turned swiftly to French. Now they were speaking the language of the heart and exchanged their true names, Amélie et Papa Jean. I live here alone, said Papa Jean. I am glad I found you, said Amélie. You are far from home, said Papa Jean. Then why does it feel like home right here, said Molly, and they both laughed. And your mother and father, asked Papa Jean. Ils sont tous les deux morts, said Molly. They are both dead. She looked far too young to be saying these cruel words. Papa Jean answered with his eyes. The two sat quietly for a time with the spirits of the loved ones who had joined them on the porch. After much conversation, Papa Jean said, you must come visit me again, Amélie. As she waved goodbye and passed by Papa Jean's compost pile with her empty bucket, Molly saw to her surprise a rhubarb plant that had sprung up as a volunteer and somehow managed to survive in this inhospitable spot. I must be like these little shoots and grow where I am planted, thought Molly, as she gathered the stalks to make a rhubarb pie for her new friend. Molly came through her back door, thinking about how she had gone looking for grapes and come home with rhubarb instead. As she always did, she felt happy as soon as her hands were in flower. As she worked, she thought about the moment when she had raised her arm and begun to sing, showing herself to be the old man's countryman. The moment when she had said, je suis comme vous. What a feeling that was to be recognized, to be known, for she had been lonely too. As she fluted the edges of the crust with her thumb and forefinger, she wondered, could any two people have such a moment of recognition? When the pie was in the oven, 
Molly stepped out onto her front porch to catch what was left of a little breeze. There she saw an envelope on the mat that must have been lying there all day. She opened it with flowery fingers and read, Miss Dundle, I came looking for you at the church and at your home because the situation with the Episcopalians has reached crisis proportions. Once again, you cannot be found when you are needed. I cannot imagine what you are doing all day. Yours in Christ, Reverend Knowles Pilgrim, retired. <laughs> All the joy of Molly's day vanished in an instant. Why did this unsmiling man always find her wanting? Molly called her cousin, Father Joe, who was a Catholic priest in Texas, and was relieved when he answered on the first ring. I have gone among the people as you advised me to do, said Molly in a timorous voice, but the old pastor wants me to sit in his office instead. I just know he doesn't like me. I suppose you must be speaking of naughty problem, sighed Father Joe. I saw him preach one time at a tent revival in Beaumont, and it was like eating hard cheese on dry bread. Let me tell you, Molly, he is no one to emulate. You must serve God in your own way and love people in your own way, too. Father Joe could hear her breathing ease over the line. But what must I do about Reverend Pilgrim? asked Molly. Why, you must pray for him, of course. Pray that the walls come down. Don't worry, God will know exactly what you mean by that. And you must be sweet to him no matter what he does. That's an old trick I learned from the master. There is nothing like it to confound an enemy and turn his heart around. By the way, said Father Joe, have you seen Jesus yet? Molly hesitated a moment, remembering how her adult Sunday school class had heard the voice of God speaking from an azalea bush and said, well, something odd did happen. Well, trust me, honey, if you haven't seen him yet, you will. Later that evening, when Molly came back out onto the back porch to look at the stars, she saw Jesus standing in the moonlight. Molly fell to her knees before him, trembling with amazement and fear. Jesus took both her little hands, pulled her to her feet, and said gently, Je suis comme vous. Over the course of your life, who has God sent you to nurture you comfort you, and care for you? How do you recognize that of God in someone else? What, for you, is the language of the heart? <laughs>